episode number four. Today I wanted to talk about the CSCS exam, its importance, and how to go about studying for it and hopefully passing it. I've been asked quite a bit uh, from probably half a dozen people uh, since I passed the exam in the summertime. How do I go about studying for it? What did you think of the test? How difficult was it? So I'll try to answer some of those questions and help people who are going to be taking the test soon. Uh, Hopefully this gives them some insight as to uh, how to go about passing the exam. So the first thing that I will say is that the test was really, really difficult, but if you take enough time to study for it, you'll do fine. I mean, I, I would imagine it's like kind of like any other big exam that you needed in order to get a, a certification, you know, something along the same lines as uh, the bar exam. I'm not saying that it's that level of difficult, but it, it's, it's the same principle. You need to pass this exam if you want to get uh, certified and, and be well-respected in the strength and conditioning community. And even though you may not exactly apply everything you learn in the exam to your training, it still shows that you have the dedication to learn all the principles needed to be a decent strength and conditioning coach in general. And it also shows that you have a level of understanding that is you know, above regular public knowledge on training. You know, rather than just being some dude that takes random kids through random exercises and calls himself a, a strength coach or a performance coach, you have a certification that shows that you are uh, of good knowledge and understand how to go about training those kids. So whenever uh, you go and, and try to gain new clients or you go to work at a school or whatever it may be, they can trust that you are not going to jag around and uh, be a total dipshit of a coach. Okay, so now on to the meat and potatoes of this podcast. The first thing that you need to make sure you do is find a way to uh, get essentials of strength and conditioning. Volume 4 is the latest volume that I had that I used, and I actually got it online for free. Um, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be saying that. I'm not sure if I was supposed to have that uh, or if I just got it because someone pirated it, but I downloaded it for free online and I still have it on my phone actually, but I can't go about sending it to anybody because it's too big of a, of a document to send via email. Anyway, um, this is what the test is based off of. Everything in this book or manual, whatever you want to call it, will be on the test. Literally, whatever you find on the test can be found somewhere in this book. And, well, let me let me rephrase that. The only things that you won't find are the video portions, and, and there might be a couple of, of picture... Jesus fucking Christ, let's go! Fucking idiot. All right. 
so the only the only things that you won't find in this book obviously are the video portions of the test and those are pretty easy to be quite honest with you and you can find those videos those exact same videos that you're going to find on the test you can find on the NSCA website you might have to pay to like view them um, or you might have to become a member I don't remember looking exactly at them but I did purchase the practice exam and I remember looking at the videos and they were almost the exact same videos that are seen on the exam it's kind of like the the cheap crappy low resolution video that is has some dude with shorts that are way too short and his shirt tucked in and he's doing some sort of stupid ass exercise like tuck jumps or something like that and uh, you're supposed to figure out what he's doing wrong Um, a tip on those videos uh, while I'm getting sidetracked here a tip on those videos is that for the most part the videos are correct they don't spend a lot of time uh, recording videos that are incorrect so remember that and and don't overthink on the exam that well he didn't quite swing his arms in the proper manner or something like that no if it looks right it's probably right the things where they will try to get you are small uh, little placement things that do matter but um, something like uh, one incorrect video is the spotter will be using a double overhand grip instead of an alternating grip um, or a spotter spotting a dumbbell bench will be using uh, the elbows instead of the wrists. Something like that could screw you up. But for the most part, the videos are not very... Uh, they're not going to have wrong stuff in their videos. Um, but yeah, back to what I was saying before. The practice questions at the end of every chapter in Essentials of Strength and Conditioning do pair up pretty well to what you're going to find on the test as well. So it's not only that the content is all there, it's that the the questions that you're going to find on the exam are going to be very similar to what you find at the end of every chapter. Um, so now on to my second point of what the test is actually covering. Obviously, the video portions, uh, you'll probably find maybe 10 to 12 uh, video or picture questions. Those are pretty easy, to be honest. If you can't figure out those, um, you're either overthinking it or you just don't understand exercise in general. Um, And if you don't have a background in exercise science or, or a related field, then you probably are going to want to study a lot more of the just the technique of the exercises in general. But it, it, if you work out, you know what a row is supposed to look like. You know what a tuck jump is supposed to look like. They don't get too advanced. There are some things about the power clean and the hang clean that if you've never been taught them before, you might want to brush up on those as well. But those video, the video portions are, are pretty easy. Um, the difficult part of the exam is the anatomy. Uh, that's the, that's, it's difficult because it's so much memorization. 
a lot of what I've found in this exam from the anatomy portion, I really don't use at all in training, like on a day-to-day basis. It's great to have that understanding of anatomy and physiology, but it really doesn't come about at all in in real life training. Um, so that that was kind of something that I had to get over the hump of is I like knowing that I'm I'm learning all this stuff and I'm spending months memorizing body parts and you know, what does what in the body, but also knowing that all of this learning that I'm doing, I'm really not going to apply all that much. There are some things I learned about the shoulder and the way the respiratory system work that I do apply to a, to a certain extent, but for the most part, it, it's it's just something you got to suck it up and, and, and learn. Um, and I hate memorizing. I think it's the, the stupidest form of learning, but it does play a role here in order to pass this this exam. Um, Another area of the test that you're going to have to learn is applying, uh, applying like, like programming concepts and anatomy or physiology concepts to training. So uh, an example of a question would be something like, um, this athlete, uh, hurt his low back and you have to understand what exercises are going to be affecting the low back and you know how to go about um, programming for an athlete who has a sore low back or also understanding the protocol of if that athlete has been cleared by a doctor or, or, or a physical therapist in order to start training again and then in order to strengthen up that low back or the hamstrings, you would do something like a barbell RDL and lunges and things of that nature. Um, and then on, on the topic of programming, you're going to find probably at least half a dozen, if not maybe 20 questions, uh, not half a dozen, an, an actual dozen uh, questions on programming for athletes in that you will you'll have to understand the NSCA's way of yearly programming of that periodization that they are so high on which is the early off-season phase and then the off-season phase and then the pre-season phase and you know the in-season phase and the peaking phase is another one I don't necessarily use all of those concepts in my real life training. I think they do have some applications. For the most part, it goes, you know, early off season is a lot of just basic training to increase your training capacity. And then the early off season is the, like the, like, like the, the, when the off season phase starts, it goes more with hypertrophy and then it shifts over to strength, and then that shifts over into peaking where you're working with 95 to 100% of the one rep max, and then you enter into the in-season, which is more maintenance. The general principles there I, I agree with, but as far as applying it to athletes, it's, it's much more on an individual basis. Some kids are gonna need a lot more speed work, 
some kids are going to need a lot more hypertrophy work. It really depends on what the athlete needs. I'm talking about in real life. But in the test, you have to follow their rules uh, for, for programming principles. Um, and uh, another thing that you'll, you'll have to play by their rules with is the nutritional guidelines. Um, understand that nutrition is not... It's not that they're wrong in their nutritional guidelines. I certainly follow basically what they say for the most part. Uh, But, or or let let me rephrase it. Don't get too advanced with your nutritional guidelines because they view nutrition through a very basic lens. Um, They don't fool around with anything low carb or high carb or high fat, low fat, any of that shit. Even though a lot of high carb or low carb is is all bullshit nonsense anyways, um, understand that they follow the very basic principle of 30% fat, 25% protein, 65% carbs. I think that adds up to 100%. Uh, Yeah. So understand that that's that's where they're coming from. Um, And the last topic I wanted to touch on you have to understand what the test looks like purchase practice tests if you have to Um, I purchased I believe three practice tests including the one that they have on the NSCA website Um, and it helped I I wouldn't say that it uh, that I could only do the practice tests and pass the exam but I would say that that was that was a pretty big portion of of what I learned. And then whenever you get a question wrong or, or maybe you don't quite understand why you got it right, you have to find in the essentials of strength or somewhere, find why it's wrong or why you got it right. Don't just guess and hope you pass the practice, practice test. Understand everything that is in those practice tests and you'll be setting yourself up to uh, succeed on the CSCS. Um, Lastly, I wanted to to close by saying I know that the CSCS exam is not the end-all to strength training. If you rely only on what you find in the NSCA for your training, you're going to be a basic bitch and you're not really going to advance at all it's not that you would be doing a bad job. It's more that you wouldn't be doing the best job possible. There's so much that gets left out. What the hell? Some hobo just sprinted in front of my car and I almost crushed him. (laughs) But there is so much that does not get covered by the CSCS that... I use on a consistent basis in my training and, and when training athletes that I, I don't think you'd be doing the best job possible as a strength coach if you just stop there. If you stop at the NSCA, the CSCS, you're really missing out on a lot of training concepts. And look, the field of strength and conditioning is changing on a month by month basis. Somebody will come out with research that says this. Um, the, 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 the CSCS exam doesn't cover at all 
uh, west side conjugate method, which is probably my favorite um, method of strength training, you know, the dynamic effort method and things like that never get covered at all. Uh, the strength speed spectrum coined a lot by Eric Cressy never gets covered at all in, in this exam. And it's really, it's so basic. It's almost like it's really only applicable to lower level athletes. If you want to train high level athletes as I do, um, and, and make them not only good for the high school level, but great for the college level and beyond that, you have to study more and, and look to outside sources from the NSCA. Don't just rely on what you're going to do on this test uh, for what you're going to do in your career. Um, yeah, and, and just don't be don't be too proud to memorize. If you get something wrong on a test, don't question why it's wrong or, or question why it's wrong, but don't don't go through uh, the test with the guise of, well, I'm right and the NSCA is wrong. That's that's not the correct way to go about studying for this test. Um, you have to be open to what they deem correct. And a lot of what they, they will say is correct for the most part. It, it's just, it might not always be 100% applicable to real life training. Understand that. If you have to suck it up to get the question right, understand why they think that that's the right way to do it. Um, but yeah, man, it, it took me about four to five months of, of studying for this exam in order to in order to go in feeling confident. And when I went into the test, I destroyed it. I, I, I did really, really well. And... Um, I didn't get a lot of questions wrong, but when I was on the practice tests, I never got anything wrong, at least after several months of studying. So understand that if you want to feel really confident going into this test and you want to know that you're going to pass, you have to have that level of understanding that everything that you're taking on these practice tests is, is like the back of your hand. Um, and, uh, I remember too when I went in, they don't let you take in a calculator. So brush up on your quick math skills. They they give you a pen and paper. So if you have to do some um, some math on like the uh, there's a there's a part when you're you're uh, going over the Carvonen method for heart rate and bullshit like that. Um, understand that it, that you might not be allowed to take in a calculator. So just brush up on some quick math skills and it, it, that's not that big of a, of a portion of the test. There's only a, a few questions on that. Um, trying to think if, if I can find anything else I'll add to this podcast. If not, uh, best of luck to anybody I, I know that is looking to take the exam soon. Take your time studying. Don't rush into it. This is an expensive test and there's a reason it's expensive and there's a reason it's difficult. They want to filter out the bullshit. The The trainers that are in it for the money are the, are the ones who are going to go and take a, a quick easy uh, test like the ACE or something like that. 
Um, but I, I urge anybody that's really serious about strength and conditioning to do the CSCS exam, do it right and learn and suck it up. And then once you pass the test, then you can go into more of your own training, uh, you know, your, your training research outside of the realm of the NSCA. Um, so that's it. Best of luck to anybody that is going to take the test. Thanks for sticking with this long ass podcast. Um, and, uh, yeah, peace.